Why did you do it? On the shuttle? You moved the shields to save my life? I... It was the logical choice. As a Vulcan, I had a higher likelihood of survival. Just logical, huh? Christine... I feel many things. It's confusing. Yeah, I know. For me, too. with me wearing our standard issue beanies are adam bowen and emily bowen marler hey welcome to strange new takes today we'll be sharing a recap of the fifth episode of the second season of strange new takes no of strange new worlds it's also you know (laughs) i don't know what season we're on we're on season something or other of strange new takes but this is strange new worlds that we're reviewing right now and the episode title is charades Follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast and make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us, theoretically. And of course, if you haven't watched Charades or other pieces of Star Trek, just know that we're going to spoil this episode that we're going to recap, of course, but also maybe spoil other pieces of Star Trek as well. All right. We let's as as Emily mentioned before, we're talking today about the fifth episode of the second season of Strange New Worlds, Charades. It first aired on the thirteenth of July, twenty twenty-three. It's written by Catherine Lynn and Henry Alonso Myers. It was directed by Jordan Canning. The in-universe date is start date one seven eight nine point three. We always start with our strange new takes, and I'll I'll get us started today, um, which is that. Man, it's really hard tracing insect bites back to the insects and takes you down a rabbit hole, which always ends up with you thinking it's bed bugs. And it's, you know, it's probably <laughs> not bed bugs. Let's be honest. Um, so it's it's really annoying. And uh, if you don't catch the pesky insect biting you and later, if you're like me and you just get like three to four days of itching with most insect bites, uh, it's it's really annoying. It's really, really annoying. But uh, my, my strategy take for this episode is that I really hope that Picard was talking about Spock and Chapel when he said that he'd have gone to Sarek's son's wedding in TNG. Oh. Oh. I totally forgot that. That I don't even remember that ever being said. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to. Yep. Yep. It's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, I had a strange new take and then it flew out of my head because I started thinking about bed bugs. <laughs> Congratulations. So now my strange new take is that one time my cousin discovered they had bed bugs and it was right before their baby was due. So they had to bag up everything in their house, all their new baby stuff, and everything to get the house taken care of, or their apartment taken care of. And yeah, I'm like, that. there's not really a good time to have bed bugs, but that's a pretty terrible time. That's a bad time to have bed bugs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyway, anyway. Um, hey, this, is, this was an episode full of hijinks. So, you know, that was kind of fun. I feel like, like, who knew that the comic relief of Star Trek was um, Spock and Pring? I mean, you know, yeah. watching the uh, original series, that would not ever be <laughs> what we would think. But apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. For for today's strange new take, I'll, I'll, I'll also talk about, uh, I mean, it's not technically a bug. It's an arachnid or whatnot. But. Uh, so, so last night, what, uh, Jenny called me downstairs because, uh, we were, she suspected that there was a brown recluse. Uh, I, I, uh, found it on the wall and inspected it. It looked a little long to me, uh, had kind of a, a more like dark amber 
uh, thorax that was a bit longer than I was expecting. Didn't see that fiddle on it. Uh, did some research. I think it was a, a woodlouse spider, so that's fun. Uh, not usually found in, in houses. Uh, and then uh, in order to illustrate to me what a brown recluse looks like, I went out uh, to tend to the uh, the coop this morning and discovered a brown recluse just like chilling in the the outer edge of um, sort of the door to the chicken coop. Uh, it had all the telltale signs of like uniform colored legs, uh, had the the violin on the back, uh, had the the three sets of eye of pairs of eyes, which weirdly they have six eyes instead of the usual eight. Um, and then I posted it on on uh, what is it called? What is this bug? Something like that on uh, on Reddit, uh, and they agreed with me that it's a brown recluse. So, what'd you do uh, with it? uh it it was it was outside uh i i tried doing something about it it just kind of ran ran away so it's 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 where it's supposed to be i i i think uh just like they don't want to hang out hang around people they don't really want to hang around chickens uh it was hiding in the in sort of like the door jam area uh so yeah uh and i figured they have they probably have more armor than we do with all their scales and and feathers so yeah uh, as, as for the my take for the episode, uh, yeah, I, I I feel like uh, I I'm liking the the variety of tone that we get out of Strange New Worlds, where we have like comic relief episodes, we have ones that like really hit you in the feels, uh, and uh, I'm kind of wondering if we're uh, I I feel like next time we've got to have like a heavier episode. And then we've got to have uh, maybe episode seven is always supposed to be like the most ridiculous episode, which will probably be uh, the I'm guess no I'm decks. guessing that that'll be the um, I think it is the I animated episode. It's, and it's called those old scientists. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I, I suspect if you look back and and chart the path of, of season one, I bet the episode tones will match up per the episode like number. But I, I haven't I haven't verified that. Uh, but it just hmm. it seems like a thing that could be the case. So looking forward to uh, dealing with uh, Pike's existential crisis as the last episode of the season again as well. You know, I have to say I'm finding myself being sad that we're halfway through Strange New Worlds in a way that I haven't been with the other new Star Trek series. Like, I'm like, oh, we only have five more episodes of Strange New Worlds left. Like, yeah, it's you know, whereas the, like with Picard, I wanted to see how they were going to end it. So mm-hmm. I was, whereas I think it, part of it is also then the structure of Strange New Worlds because it's not, they're not necessarily leading us to something in that same way because well, um, it's more episodic. And and also based on like where streaming and Paramount Plus is going, as well as like the, the various strikes that are happening. Right. Like, I, I don't, uh, we, this might, uh, maybe this is like too early for a, a hot take or something like this, but th- we might be looking at the end of Star Trek on TV. Uh, this, this, I, I could, I don't like, it doesn't seem crazy to me to imagine that, uh, we're not going to get another season of any of them, uh, besides mm. maybe the ones that are already kind of in the can, but I don't know. Or even uh, the ones that are in the can get canceled. And yeah. Yeah. Because it'll, it'll save us on taxes or something, but, uh, yeah. I don't know about that. I think that's going a little too far. I, I think so. <laughs> I, I think I think it they they might like cut it down, but I mean, Strange mm-hmm. New World is getting like really good press right now, so like it's it's actually getting a fair amount of attention, which um, I think bodes well for it to come back. I mean, I don't know what else you know might get created by in that it could take its place. I, I I guess to some degree, I'm feeling like well, if the strikes take another year and a half or something like that which maybe that's unreasonable to imagine uh then it's gonna it's they're gonna have to maybe they'll maybe we'll get strange new worlds uh season three but if the uh, strikes take another year and a half like there's gonna be more for us to worry about than star trek not being on the air yeah yeah for sure (laughs) that's true i keep hoping that maybe the actor strike joining with the writers is going to expedite things a little bit. I don't know. But. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and I'm probably, I'm thinking too much doom because uh, it's only been like three months or days, something like that. No, 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 no. For the, for the writer's strike in, in terms oh, of yeah. like, I, I haven't really heard of any movement uh, on, on things kind of getting closer to each other there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly there's some amount of like 
eventually people need to have jobs and so they probably will end the strike at some point oh they uh, don't care regardless, the studio some of the studio execs have said they're just hoping that what's going to happen is they won't be able to afford their mortgages and they'll come crawling back to the table yeah so they're like hoping that they end up homeless and then that will that the writers will end up homeless yeah. and then they'll have to come back and accept the terms that, that does the, seem like the 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 way that uh like that doesn't surprise me that that might be down with some capitalism plans. sorry okay <laughs> 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 I, I am a very I mean I'm genuinely a pro capitalist person so I think this is exactly what capital what's supposed to happen which is yeah. like you're supposed to are unionized and you're supposed to fight we'll see what happens I don't know yeah. um I think I mean I would prefer that we have many studios that cap and many different shows that capitalism is able to provide than just the one like state sponsored network that gives you like two tv shows and three movies a year that have like weird artistic styles so that's my argument for being well, perhaps i should i should um uh, rephrase and say down with unbridled like yes totally uh greed driven capitalism there are healthy ways for capitalism to manifest itself and what is currently happening in the united states of america is not it <laughs> there's not need to be such a gap between yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean i i think that's that's obviously true yeah. yes um welcome to our new podcast called <laughs> uh debating the merits of capitalism <laughs> right um well let's let's talk a little bit actually about what adam talked about a second ago which is whether the tones of each episode are the same they're not i looked through um but one <laughs> thing that's true is that spock Amok was the fifth episode of the first season oh interesting so we do get the two funniest spock episodes with Dupring at the same time in each season mm. uh, which is interesting and i went back and watched spock Amok yesterday as well and it's they make a good pair I think one thing that I'm struggling with, though, is trying to figure out where the Spock Chapel romance comes in, because I've only got to the sixth episode of the, the first season yet, and it's not really that intense yet, that the two of them. Mm. Like, there's there's some stuff in that episode where Uhura and Kirk, uh, Sam Kirk, end up on mm -hmm. uh, the comet, where Chapel flirts with Spock a little bit, and Uhura calls her his girlfriend uh, as a joke. And, but that's about it. So six episodes into the first season, there's not a lot of Spock Chapel stuff yet. Well, and I the seventh episode is kind of a, no one gets their story developed except for Mbenga. Uh, that's the eighth yeah. one. The seventh one is oh, the series call. But you're right, Emily. I think maybe you were going to about to point out that Spock Amok. Right. Chapel, Chapel is starting Spock, to have her, right? Yeah. She does at the very end, there's a, which now I can recognize, but at the end of that episode, when I first watched it, there's an ambiguous scene where she kind of hints at something, but it's super, like, it's not clear what she's talking about. And now looking back, like, oh, she was, she was being awkward because of Spock. See, mm. I also feel like the scene, and wasn't this earlier in the episode where they're sitting, like, where they all, a bunch of them went to a bar or something, like, and Chapel was supposed to meet someone. Is that the Spock Gamuck episode? And yeah. then she and Spock end up sitting down and talking for a little bit. Well, that's where the lieutenant tells Chapel that he's like not happy with just being casual, that he wants them to right. become seated. So she just walks away and sits down with Spock and gives right. him relationship advice. And I felt like that scene between them definitely felt like Chapel was wrestling with some feelings for Spock. And at least that's how I remembered it, but... I, yeah, I, I didn't get it on rewatch and I'm, you know me, I pick up feelings everywhere. <laughs> so this is why I'm a little confused because there's, there's, especially there's some moments in like the previously on in this episode that we're about to talk about charades that I was like, I don't remember when that happened. So anyway, I'm going to watch the last four episodes of Strange New World season one, one of these days and check it out. The other thing I'll point out is that, um... This is another example of one of those things that's like a doomed storyline, right? Like like Pike, there are these pieces of Star Trek lore that we know are coming, which is that, number one, uh, Chapel and Spock don't stay together. Like, and uh, whatever happens with the end, the stuff that happens at the end of this episode, it's not going to, like, have them be happily ever after mm -hmm. unless there's something that, you know... Unless that's However, the wedding he went to, Picard went to. There, it well, I will point out that she she would be like a hundred and fifty years true, old or something like work. that. Uh, I mean, he uh, if if Harrison Ford can still get it at eighty four, 
uh, I feel like 150 years old, like in in the 24th century, she might be able to still get it. So there we go. Uh, so I, I the one thing that that I, I think is worth noting is we did have in uh, was this episode three where we um, uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. If that's not episode three, that's the one I'm intending to to, to name drop at the very least. Uh, there was that hint that the t- uh, sort of an explicit call out of the timeline keeps repairing itself, uh, where the original date of the uh, uh, eugenics wars was in the 90s, but has now moved uh, mm-hmm. to the point of Khan himself is a... I don't know if it's necessarily like a different person or whatnot, but uh, Khan is, seems to be born significantly later. He is, because later. now he's South Asian like he was supposed to be. Anyway, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Instead of Mexican or English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's I think what's interesting is like, uh, if there is, I, I mean, maybe, well, Essentially, I suppose Enterprise could be the explanation, like the temporal Cold War type stuff. We had some hints that maybe some of that was what was going on in uh, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Uh, but I I feel like that also opens up a few places for the other discrepancies that we see, like in terms of like characters uh, switching genders or uh, being like a different race than what maybe was theoretically in, in canon. Uh, in terms of the characters that are in Strange New Worlds. I, I wonder if they're open to the idea of like, I don't know, maybe Spock and Chapel get together and we just don't worry about it too much because that's a better storyline for whatever reason. I don't know. <laughs> I I mean, I think everything that you said is valid. Uh, I really hope that that's not the direction they go though because I prefer these things to just not have explanations. Like, like the mm-hmm. Klingon bumps, you know? Like I think Enterprise did a decent job of explaining it away, but like... The fact that they well, still have bumps in in this show doesn't bother me at all. Oh no, I I, th- I think essentially my 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 pitch is like because they've said that they now don't have to explain any more d- discrepancies. That like we're not going to get yeah. the like why is April black? Uh, uh, <laughs> like that, that's not going to be one of the storylines. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And I mean. I don't know. I um, well, let's get into the episode, right? Because this is this is now we're we're <laughs> starting to talk about like the end. But here, basically, the the episode starts with Spock and Chapel going off in a shuttle together to look at a Chapel has to do like a examination for her interest in archaeological med- uh, medicine, where she mm-hmm. is trying to study a culture that used to exist on a, I think it's like a moon of Vulcan, the Kirkovians. So they go in the, and find this energy anomaly. They, they take their shuttle in and essentially the Kirkovians turn out to be like intergalactic repair people who fix Spock by making him fully human and like reconstituting his DNA completely. To not well, and they Vulcan made the anymore. comment before that uh, there were signs, what they had discovered about the Kirkovians was that they had more advanced medical technology than any of them currently have or something right. to that effect. And I, we I, also find out a lot more about archaeological medicine as well in the, in the lead up to this shuttle accident. Uh, I, I, I do want to take a, a moment here to just, uh, uh, this doesn't have anything to do with like the special effects people. Like I, like I mentioned last time, but Star Trek has no idea about distances uh, uh, because there, there, I think it's it's like this. Is, I don't know if this is supposed to be Moon of Vulcan. It's at least a moon like in that system, uh, and then the Enterprise goes at sub light speeds, like just kind of around and ends up near Vulcan or something like that in order to be, be able to transport people. But then th- there is a moment where uh, uh, I, I think Uhura mentions when they're on the shuttle, like I can't get a a signal out more than a light year. And that's why I can't contact the Enterprise. Uh, and like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, this Vulcan system is not, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Eight light minutes between our sun. Yeah, and yeah. Earth. But <laughs> is it, is it uh, Eridani? Uh, we, we know the actual sun or a star that Vulcan is around. I, it's Epsilon Eridani or something like that. Uh, but yeah. Uh, nerd just just wanted to call that out doesn't make any sense i'm not gonna worry about it too much but uh 
please just like learn your measurements uh star trek writers and or visual effects people <laughs> yeah yeah totally uh, this well, it's like point, always it how big be... the ship looks next to the planets you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean at this point it might just be something they're doing just for fun because they know it's like uh like a like an error that people notice so they just get like like the yeah, fact that like the, the, the delta on spock's beanie was backwards oh no <laughs> yeah and that's i mean i'm sorry that's that has to be or intentional. The, or, or, or the delta in 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 the garden uh in the previous episode it does not look like the delta that's on his uniform uh but i suppose there's like there seems to be like a starfleet delta that's different from each ship's individual delta but i don't know yeah we'll see uh, but yeah, though the, the beanie thing, people have speculated that it's actually like a it's a reference to the fact that there was a backwards shot in TOS once where Kirk was shown basically wearing a backwards Delta on the wrong I, side of his oh my god chest. So, <laughs> um, but we also find out that like in this, you know, in TOS, Nurse Chap- Chapel had said that she met her husband while doing some work in archaeological medicine. And in this episode, like before the shuttle, Benga and Chapel are talking. Chapel's preparing for this like interview, and she talks about like the principles of archaeological medicine and stuff. So they're like kind of building out the lore for this like science, mm-hmm. basically. It it does seem like a really weird way to study, though, where you 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 talk about each principle with like uh, a set of seven seven different people, uh, and I, I don't I don't know why everyone else would know. Maybe she told she like e- uh, emailed everyone. Here's the principle you need to memorize so that when I say it, you tell me correct, uh, so that she could be in each of those scenes. But uh, I don't know. I'd, yeah, it feels like they have different techniques in the 23rd century. Uh, or maybe she's doing spaced repetition. Like that's when Anki told her that she needed to memorize like that next principle, and so uh, she has her friends sort of say whether she's correct or not, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I took it as more like she's probably doing a lot more training than we see in the video. But still, if I was one of her friends, I'd be like, can we talk about something fun and not <laughs> this stuff? Like, like maybe you should do this on your own time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so the Spock comes back to the ship and he is fully human now. And at the beginning of the episode, we've also got this montage of Spock like his life aboard the ship, like basically having trouble with Sam Kirk spilling stuff on the table, yeah. having trouble with it in conversations where everyone's laughing. And now suddenly he has to adjust to life as a human, uh, where all of those things are get suddenly get like extreme human, like emotional reactions from him. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was uh, definitely one of the best moments. It I was, think. it was. There was this whole conversation on this Star Trek that I was on about like whether they should have just said the word. I'm like, no, it's funnier to not say it. Like, it's funnier to go to commercial right then. So, yeah, anyway. I mean, it is kind of funny that like we like Star Trek is allowed to swear now, but yeah, right, I, I, but... I, I do agree that it's it is better to never hear Spock in particular say that word. Right, right. Uh, but but yeah, I I, I think that um, I. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe to some extent, like I'm, I'm a little bit confused. Oh, I, one thing I, w- I do want to call out. It, it was great having an explanation of why T'Pol like hates being around humans and thinks that they're <laughs> real smelly. And we right. discover that all Vulcans <laughs> basically yeah, yeah, have nasal suppressants yeah. in order to like be aboard human vessels. <laughs> I did think that was funny. I definitely felt like there were callbacks to... Uh, Enterprise Vulcans in this episode. Yes. Yeah, very much so. I mean, and I mean, Enterprise is one of the shows that has done the most for Vulcan culture, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like Stranger Worlds is really, especially the episodes like this, picking up di- direct link mm-hmm. there. Um, and essentially, what we find out is that Spock, by having to live as a human, isn't just living as an adult human. He's actually his emotional maturity is that of like a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Which I I feel like we we always have to go through puberty in Star Trek. Uh, when, whenever something like that happens, like we we got to see some Worf puberty, we got to see some uh, Spock puberty. Trip Tucker. Uh, yeah. Did anyone else a, like Sim? Oh yeah, that's true. 
was, did you all get data vibes during some of the scenes, like data on generations yes. when he yeah. was, you know, laughing I, so I hard and couldn't, yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is totally data. Yeah. So, but I mean, what I'm trying to push you people towards, and you can you can now pick <laughs> up refuse. on this explicitly, is is talking about Ethan Peck's portrayal of human Spock versus. I think we got a really good vision, a really good like explicit view of just how good Ethan Peck is at acting in this episode. Because if we got to see what his like a normal character for him might look like versus what like yeah. he's been playing through this whole series. But he's also so charming. Like that scene, especially I'm especially thinking of the scene between he and Uhura in the hallway when he's like, how are you doing? You know, and she's like, oh, you know, I'm OK. And he's like, you know, wants to give her a yeah. hug. And I don't, I don't know, just the, that whole interaction, you know, and I loved the chapel, line, right? right? Chapel, right? Chapel, what did I say? You Uhura. said Uhura. I meant chapel. Sorry, um, I'm sleepy. Um, but the uh, the line I love when he says she goes, how are you feeling? He goes, pretty good i mostly don't cry in the shower or something or i can't remember exactly what the line was but i thought that was really funny (laughs) yeah yeah for sure he i mean he basically is like i mean he's not i don't think he's playing like again he's playing like kind of a teenager and like impulsive but i really Hmm. there's a sense of earnestness that comes through that's not there with the vulcan spock Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and you also get like i think a an eagerness to try things in there. Mm-hmm. And so well, you get you, you get to see Ethan Peck kind of playing this very different character. And then, of course, the other, the rest of the crew, when he when he has to pretend to be Vulcan again and has to be trained to pretend to be Vulcan, gets they get to show their Vulcan impressions. And I feel like we get a little bit of like a peek behind the curtain of what portraying a Vulcan, like what, what the advice to actors looks like, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was pretty funny. <laughs> well, and, and I, I think it also it's also like a good uh, good example of like it, there there is a lot that goes into being a a Vulcan in terms of like portrayal. Like it's it's not just that I like not. Uh, I think it takes a particularly good actor to be able to like pull that off without just being completely boring or an uninteresting person to to portray or whatnot. Um, well, so, honestly, yeah. I mean, the ones who now this makes sense. But the actors who do it best are the actors who are part of the main cast. Like, mm-hmm. if you think of, I mean, like the best Vulcan portrayals we've seen are to Paul, are yeah. Spock, are Tuvok, are you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're yeah. they are the ones that do the best job of because uh, I don't know the Vulcans seemed pretty emotional in this episode. I thought um, they, they, they seemed like, to me Tupring like was pretty emotional. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, there, they, there was. They're... A, yeah. They, they feel to me kind of like the uh, the Enterprise Vulcans, which maybe that's the intention is like that. Yeah. Th- there's like a subculture of asshole Vulcans uh, where they say that they're uh, all logic based, but they just are sneering at you the whole time and, <laughs> and stuff like that. But uh, uh, but yeah, well, but this is this is I mean, I read something about this, which is that like, I think it's the same with Klingons and Honor, right? Like, it's not like like TOS started it by saying like everybody has this one thing, but what we've done as we go through Star Trek is add nuance mm-hmm. and like character. Right? Vulcans do feel emotion and it's kind of like, it, I could see it as this kind of cultural calling card of like their get out of jail free card. But in reality, they do have, it's just more subtle. They do have emotion and they do have like these yeah. like subtle cues and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just that they pretend not to. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's sort of like a, it's a, um, it's like a, a cultural thing, which also like maybe some of it like literally just doesn't doesn't translate translate exactly. And so our our initial understanding in, in TOS is just like literally they have no emotion and they're like, well, the big, they actually kind of do. And like, here's the different ways that they're feeling it and, and, and whatnot. But I, I could see it being kind of a like. Um, I mean, just kind of like the 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 like British like stiff upper lip uh, kind yeah. of thing, where it's like they they don't actually have stiff upper lips. Uh, it's just <laughs> that like, and some of them like just fully don't behave that way either. But like the cultural the impression that yeah. yeah, the stereotype is that. Or, so like the same thing is maybe men happening from to the fifties, like repressing yeah. their emotions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think that that's that's the vibe I'm getting, and especially I mean we saw it in Enterprise, right? Like where mm-hmm. there was this kind of very emotional side of what was happening, and then they had to go back to Sir- Sirach's teachings mm-hmm. to to 
to understand how to truly suppress their emotions as a species. Um, but but I, I think we need to lay a little bit of groundwork for what's next, though, before we get to this, this part of the conversation, which is that, so in between kind of all of this stuff that's going on, the background for this episode is also that they're at Vulcan because T'Pring and her family want to have this Vishal ritual uh, that's part of the engagement ceremony for Vulcan. So that's why they're there. And initially, Pike is able to like put off the family ritual by saying Spock was injured in a shuttle accident. But then it turns out actually, no, uh, her T'Pring and her family are going to beam aboard the ship. And then prior to that, Spock's mother also shows up. Played by Mia Kirshner, same actress who played uh, Amanda Grayson in um, season one uh, or season two of Discovery, I think mm-hmm. it is, right? Mm. Um, who I did not realize was like a veteran of many like teen heartthrob movies from the 90s. In, oh, really? Especially like not another, she's like a prominent actress in not another teen movie. She's been in the L word. Like Mia Kirshner is like big time. And it's really funny to see her kind of in, in this and just absolutely have no idea who she was until I looked her up. They definitely, uh, she doesn't, I will say though, she does not look old enough to have a son. <laughs> that is Fox's age. Uh, the, Isn't there less yeah. than 10 years between them? 11, 11, 11 between yeah. her and Ethan Beck. I think, I think the future slower aging, <laughs> let's just roll with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is, is, Winona, is Winona Ryder a, a better, uh, no, yeah, she is. Oh, she Winona Ryder is older than I am, so... Winona Ryder, but Winona Ryder, we have to compare to, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Zach Quinto. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they have, if I'm not mistaken, let me they just They aged her, though, for the role, I think. <laughs> yeah, they only have six years between each other. Oh, oh that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, like, very different. Well, it's uh, like, well, actually, they, never mind. I was gonna say there was a reason for that. I was gonna say it's like Michael J. Fox and, uh... What's her face? And Michael on... J. Fox when he played uh, all of like his parents and yeah, yeah. But I was thinking of um, I just I totally know her name. It just totally went away from me. The person who played his mom in um, in Back to the Future, how they're the same age, but that was on purpose because oh, he was yeah, going was. back to their time, yes. you know. But yeah. you know the thing with Spock's mom. So Spock, he was hilarious when he's like, "There's a muscle spasm in my face," you know. <laughs> Yeah, he's like trying to hide all the stuff. That was pretty funny um, when he's trying to hide his anger and and, uh, anguish over having to still do this ritual when he's human. So that was pretty funny. But then, man, don't we get a good appreciation for Amanda and all that she has had to endure and go through being. Yeah, I I did love on Vulcan. Yeah, I I think that that uh, this episode gave us some of like that. I've, that side's definitely been missing. We, mm-hmm. We've had like little bits of um, uh, Star Trek 2009 definitely delved into a little bit of uh, like that Spock actually loved her and that like that's why they, they were together and or not Sarek. Spock, Sarek, Sarek. Okay. Uh, but it's um, yeah, I, I did really appreciate uh, getting to see her side of this. And, and yeah, one of those is just like you have part of being a human on Vulcan is being able to just hide your pain uh, like physical pain uh, sometimes, but I'm sure emotional as well. Uh, similarly to when uh, when Spock says, like sort of reveals at the end, like that he uh, like, why did you show me this particular memory? And and sort of it, like he he realizes that uh, she was feeling so isolated uh, from all the other parents. And that was something that um, he didn't really appreciate until that moment, which I like. Um, I like when. Uh, I mean, definitely we, we, we've had different points of Vulcan culture throughout different series where some of them are just kind of like a, I don't know, we, we needed a gimmick for this episode. So like Spock needs to fight Kirk to the death. And that's for some reason, the logical thing that Vulcans do. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but this one really felt like a, like, that seems like a really meaningful ritual to do. Like, I, I can see why that exists. Oh, the mind building one. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, and so I, I, I just love that they turn this thing that could just be kind of like set dressing into like a poignant, meaningful uh, moment. So I just had a thought. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't have other people have shared this too, but I'm just thinking about it even more and wondering if we've ever actually seen this. Um, So uh, to Pring's parents or to Pring's mother, especially, but um, definitely some major prejudice 
and I don't know if you would call it speciesism going on, right? Mm -hmm. Racism, Mm -hmm. whatever, however you're going to call it for this. Mm -hmm. Um, Have we ever seen a Vulcan that is not that? This is supposed to be the society that is all about Idic, right? Doesn't Idic come out of Vulcan society? Mm -hmm. I don't know that we have ever seen a Vulcan besides the ones that have been main characters on the shows that has actually seemed to me to exemplify and celebrate Idic. They have all seemed to Mm. look down on other species as sub whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they are emotional or because they are whatever. It seems to me that, that Vulcans really, really do think they're superior. Um, and that just flies in the face of Idic. So that's um, not good writing. <laughs> anyway. It shows yeah. it like it really was just to sell some jewelry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, but that's part of the whole Romulan beef with the Vulcans, right? That they're hypocrites. The mm. Romulans just exemplify who they truly are as a species. The Romulans are all about Idic. You're right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Um, no. It's it's kind of I I think but I think you're right. I it, it is interesting that we haven't truly ever got. Uh, maybe, maybe there was the, the the character of some of the Cedar Knights in Enterprise that were like yeah. that, and then yeah. and then you know towards the end we got some more. Um, character, Vulcan characters that were a little bit better. Um, but you're right. We don't get a lot of prominent ones. Because uh, even Sarek has like a little bit of a superiority vibe going. Um, and I, I, he honestly, marries I feel a human like... and then forces his son to do nothing but be Vulcan, right? right. Like, And if yeah. his son shows any of his human side, he's like, well, he won't speak to him. I mean, that's so crappy. Anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. and, and I, I feel like similarly... Um, I don't know. It, it, even Tuvok kind of comes comes across as like feeling like like yes, he loosens up in in some episodes with with Neelix or whatever, but like uh, it, it's it, it does feel like there's that disdain that's mm-hmm. that's uh, kind of uh, brewing underneath like mo- most of the the things. Like maybe maybe Spock, but Spock like in some ways doesn't count because Spock is the uh, is like half folk and half human. So if he's the only example of like an idic uh type person then um... well they couldn't have two big racists on t on tos you know i mean they already had the doctor who was a raging <laughs> racist against vulcan so they, they want to yeah, make yeah. spock be the same way you know so... <laughs> anyway, sorry dr mccoy i know so, there's nothing worse yeah. than being called a racist well, um, but like, I mean, <laughs> this, you know, the problem, I mean, but this is the problem with Strange New Worlds, right? It's giving us like really compelling, great characters that you're like, why did TOS have to have those guys instead of like Mabenga, for example, right. uh, yeah. which is like sacrilegious even to like say out loud. So sorry, everybody. But um, I mean, it's a show written in the 60s. We just have to, you know, it's like all these people yeah. that get so precious about it. I want to be like, it was written in the 60s. They didn't really have things figured out. <laughs> like, totally. not that yeah, we yeah. had things figured out, it but they, well, they didn't even yeah. have the continuity. <laughs> they didn't have like they didn't have to worry about like what right. 50 years of television going to do with, with this one throwaway line that we have. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> um, as this goes ahead. So Amanda Grayson shows up, Spock and Pike spill the beans when when they realize that Tupring and her parents are going to show up. And then that's where Spock starts to get trained on how to act Vulcan, including suppressing like physical pain when you pick up a scalding hot teapot. And then Tupring shows up and Spock is initially going to try and tell her what's going to what's happened to him. But then he stops himself when he realizes that she's been having a really hard time with her mother. And I want to ask your perspective. There's two separate perspectives on this that Mm. he doesn't tell her. Well, there's actually three. Number one, he doesn't tell her because he knows she's already stressed out. Number two, he doesn't tell her because he knows Vulcans can't lie. And number three, he doesn't tell her because she's going to have to mind meld with her mother as part of the ritual. I I really felt like it was the first one was how I perceived it because he was I mean, it seemed to me he was pretty committed to telling her until he was with her and then he changed his mind. Yeah, I feel like it was an empathy thing. We we, we saw uh, we saw like signs of his his empathy being increased like as you like you you mentioned the the hug moment that happened mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the episode and it's just a. I mean, yes, I think there are other justifications. I, d- I feel like he even mentioned the like the inability to lie, and then maybe also the um, the the mind meld. But it, it felt like those were sort of like back justifications for 
that initial like empathy moment, which maybe turned into like a little bit of like cowardice. Like he, he became afraid of telling her uh, because and also just like worried about her. And th- all those things kind of get just like muddled up with each other. Uh, sorry yeah. for the audio there where I just hit my microphone. Uh, <laughs> all good, all good. Bad. You know, <laughs> this is like a slight aside, but I just want to say it because I forgot to say it five other times earlier. Did anyone else think it was weird that he was kind of getting counseled by um, Laon? Like, that was weird. Was that was that not a weird scene to you all? When they were in, were they in Laon's uh, Also that he got a or... little bit horny when he, he was, was talking he was to her. In, I thought they that were was in the captain's quarters. Like, <laughs> they were, I, well, I, I was wondering whose quarters. Yeah. I figured they were the captain's quarters because of the they saddle. Were the ready room. But... It was no, 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 the ready, oh, in the ready room. room. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but it just seemed weird. I was like, why? It, it seems like a conversation you would have with your counselor, not with the security chief. And so I was a little perplexed yeah. by that scene. Um, yeah, anyway. I guess we just mm. don't... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Culber's not on this ship, so uh, so she gets to be the the counselor or something. And he couldn't talk to Chapel about it, right? Because I think that's maybe <laughs> the thing is that he's avoiding Chapel, right? So, so, um, so he doesn't he can't, can't, can't talk to Mbenga because it, it seems like maybe the doctor is supposed to be the person that you talk to, at least right. in the twenty third century. Right. Uh, and so um, Mbenga might otherwise be the obvious person, but he's going to be in the same room as Chapel. Right, All right. right, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna sorry. pivot us to to Pring's parents <laughs> joining because that's okay. really the meat and potatoes. So they've come on board, and they have a hilarious dynamic. I mean, like basically, <laughs> her dad is like this like jolly dude who's like, "Oh, this is great, everything's fine," and his mom's like, "No, it's not." He's like, "Oh, actually, it's not," and <laughs> and this just plays out over and over with the quarters, the food the like Spock's responses to things. It's just constant. It's basically like you see that it's. It's to Pring's mom, who's like the control freak of the family, and everyone mm-hmm. just kind of like bends to her will. Also, should that, should, oh, should Pike like uh, Pike seems to be like this incredible chef. Uh, I mean, I like I feel like in previous episodes we've maybe mostly seen him do like barbecue adjacent things, but also he seems to be able to just like fully replicate uh, like almost perfect Vulcan traditional food yes the spiral is a little bit too tight or or is it not tight enough i can't remember which <laughs> but uh like uh dang uh be, being able to like <laughs> just sort of in a in a few hours pull off these things that seem like they are uh, that elaborate is pretty impressive it's because pike's just amazing right yeah i mean that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's also like the one in this episode who gets a lot of great background reactions. If you mm-hmm. watch this episode mm-hmm. over and you just watch his face, it's hilarious. Like Anson Mount does a great job. Uh, and okay, so as we go through the ritual, Spock finds a way to like kind of hold it together. He almost loses it when T'Pring's mom is like insulting him with like the right. radical honesty or whatever the mm-hmm. Vulcans use. Which is kind of an interesting concept. It's kind of like the Festivus like airing of grievances from Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically what it is. And then Spock has to... He references having to go to the toilet. And we see a toilet in Star Trek. Oh Did my god, I didn't, see, I didn't see the Did toilet. Did we actually see the toilet? Okay, we see the room. I didn't know okay. if we saw Camor. But <laughs> oh. still, that's... I mean, that's huge, right? That like, have we actually yeah. seen a... Uh, a, a bathroom we've, we've we've seen a bathroom because uh in in the moment where uh uh season one of discovery there was like a toothbrushing moment oh that, yeah there was uh, oh, that's right. that culver yeah. and uh stamets had where mm-hmm. it, i think it was also like a is I, I remember it coming across like more sinister than maybe it was supposed to be because they kind of didn't follow i don't think they followed up on the sinisterness uh uh that happened there, there was like a moment where where someone like looked in the mirror and we're like, wait, did that, did the mirror move? But the person who was mm. looking in the mirror, not we've had lots of, yeah. lots of sink and mirror scenes in uh star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Lots of people look at, yeah, you know, and washing their well, face and, and, the and we have shower scenes. I was going to yeah. say Balan has been in the shower and we've had other people be in the shower. And I feel like enterprise has also been in the, in the shower so but, that we could, uh, we could, uh, d- didn't we do like a, uh, <laughs> a, it was like a spiral sonic shower oh, no. thing. So it was, yeah. We've had to Paul in the shower. I'm pretty oh, really? sure. Of okay. course, they've had to Paul in the shower. Come on, Enterprise yeah. was gross mm-hmm. about that stuff. But oh, um, Rick Berman. Uh, oh, but you know, I did think that the bathroom kind of looked like something that would be at the Ritz Carlton or something. I don't know. It just seemed like a really fancy bathroom from what we could see. 
Maybe not gold yeah. line, but it was pretty, it seemed pretty, pretty elaborate. It was ornate. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, I think that's like the, um, the captains because he's, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's his quarters yeah, that, that these are in. The... Right. So, so Spock basically. Is it like absolute mm-hmm. candor? Isn't that what yeah, the it's Robins like do? It, right? Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I appreciate like the, that. I appreciate overpronouncing the OR at the end of. Did you that. like that for censors yeah. and candor? <laughs> <laughs> it's my was... Vulcan accent. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, there's also, if you look at the prop that was used uh, for the teapot, once someone on Twitter was able to show that it actually uses a script created by a deviant art user. And that the words make sense on the pot. So it's kind of like, yeah. So no official confirmation on this yet, but that kind of is interesting. So Spock basically makes it through the ritual without like completely destroying his chances. And while all this is going on, Chapel is convinced Ortega's and Uhura, or is it not Uhura? It's um, La'an. Yeah, it is. No, it's Uhura. It's Uhura. Oh, it's Uhura and Ortega's (laughs) Mm -hmm. to go with her to the... Kirkovians to try and fix Spock. Which, it, it took me a really t- long time to figure out, like, wait, why are you... Yeah, because yeah, essentially, uh, I thought we were going to have to somehow trick the Kirkovians into, like, killing somebody again, but then, like, repairing them by having, <laughs> like, making sure that there were, like, Vulcans and humans in the room or something, and, like, this isn't going to work. He's going to just get turned into uh, a human again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something because right. you've now stuffed it with humans again. This doesn't seem better, but now I have uh, a song from Beauty and the Beast, the musical in my head called Human Again. Anyway, there we go. I won't sing it. You only sing. It's been a long, yeah, long. That's, that's the only song we're allowed to sing. That's the only song we're allowed to sing. I'm probably going to, like, someone's going to, from the lawyers are going to listen to this and charge us like a bajillion dollars for doing it so many times. <laughs> uh, yeah, the so so these Kirkovians are basically like intergalactic, like customer service people, right? Yes. Like they they're they kind of are. We've very, made remediation. Yeah, yeah, you've, the, you've missed the, the complaint period. <laughs> uh, and what I mean, it's an opportunity basically for them to make Chapel's life really awkward, right? By asking her like, "What is your relation to this person? We don't accept yeah. this from friends." <laughs> and so she has yeah. to come out and basically say, like, I like him. I've I, I, always liked him. Which that I, I, was probably your favorite part, right, Notch? I mean, it was touching, yes. Yeah. And it, it, it it, I did like that she she made them both turn around, which she was <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> Like they wouldn't be able to hear. <laughs> That's great. And, oh, uh, yeah, I... I, I did enjoy the like the scene where she has to like kind of confront her feelings because if you watch Spock Amok, there's this kind of piece where she keeps saying like I like to keep people at arm's length. I don't like to let mm-hmm. them near me. Like I don't like to make things get serious. And so this is her the first time that she's really having to be like, okay, maybe I have like serious feelings for this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so it's kind of interesting to see that. And then they come back to the Enterprise, and somehow the Krakovians have provided a hyperspray to fix Spock mm. uh, instead of like having to like take him somewhere to do it. Like it's very convenient. Yeah, and... I, I thought he was gonna just start glowing or something <laughs> like that, and then be fixed. Uh, yeah, in the yeah. Or or like he'd get a lot of ear pain, and he would his ears would pop off, but they would still be <laughs> Vulcan ears. Uh, that was pretty meta that scene huh when they bring him the, the ears, ears that he yeah has yeah I, I i i love seeing that <laughs> no it was great um and but again that scene with him in chapel in the bathroom is also hilarious because not hilarious it's like kind of touching and kind of mm-hmm. cute because he's about to like tell her how he feels and she's like nope spray Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in in that nice like like kind of devastating uh sort of way. So yeah, I I did appreciate that moment. But then we do get the payoff later and it makes it I think it makes it easier for her to make the leap then because she knew what he was about to say and she stopped him so it could be on her own terms. Well, and then and she got to kind of make it still on her own terms. Um, I later. I I think it also is and like th- to the point of how she was talking about him to the to the Kirkovians, like she she doesn't want Spock to 
like if this is going to be some sort of relationship she doesn't want spock to enter into it like under like under the influence of being human or or whatever like she she wants it to be like she wants to have a relationship with the spock that she knows Mm -hmm. uh and so like yes even though uh a human spock understands her better and is able to like express his feelings better and and things like that she just wants the the real thing yeah yeah and and so i Mm -hmm. i uh I appreciated sort of like having them wait until that moment when he actually is Vulcan again, uh, to be able to like fully express those feelings. Um, I thought it was a, it was a nice touch sort of thematically with the episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, I thought that like him revealing that it's he's human was a little bit much. Like, I think the real Spock in yeah. that situation would have just let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and kind of let the scene unfold as it should have. Uh, but I, I guess it, it did have that like yes, payoff for like all the people who really needed the underdog to come out well, on top. I, I, I also saw it as like he, he wasn't instantly 100% Vulcan. Uh, so it also could have like that could have still been the human side of things uh, right. coming out a bit uh, in order for him to like sort of want to stick it to the man or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The and man so, being her mom, but true, true. We don't, but we don't get to see like the reaction to that really from her yeah. parents. Like we then basically go to the scene with him and Tapring talking to yeah. each other one on one, where she, I think, legitimately is like, "You didn't tell me this, and I'm supposed to marry you." Like. What the hell? Like everybody on the ship yeah. knew except me. Which yeah, which is totally d- fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, th- th- this does like, um, I mean, it. I guess it turns into like this weird dramatic moment in uh, in TOS where we we discovered that that uh, she's not going to go through with the wedding or whatever. But uh, it seems kind of obvious <laughs> if we watch all of this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. They decide to take a break, which is it's kind of funny that they've had two couples choose to take a break, uh, you yeah. know, in in successive episodes. Although Pike changed his mind pretty quick. Yes, yes, he did. Which fortunately, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if you I haven't listened to your guys' uh, episode from last week yet. It's on my list of things to do today, but I don't know if you'll address the fact that technically Pike has been with Battelle, Captain Battelle, for the entire Bat- series. The entire series, except he definitely sleeps with Minister Alora from yeah. Majellus. Yeah. I think we brought that season. up, didn't we? Yeah, Adam? We, yeah, yeah. we, we yeah. did. Uh, which we which did I think it. kind of made it a little bit of a surprise of like, oh, Patel's still a thing, but uh, right. Maybe maybe they were just casual at that point, and then they had one of those conversations that Chapel had with that lieutenant guy, where one of them was like, "Look, we need to make the series." I like Patel a lot. I think yeah. she's she's great for Pike. Uh, although they're definitely going to kill her off. Um, you think but, so? Come on. Like, of course they're going to kill her. Like that's. But they're going to have him have a major accident that leaves yeah, he, him. He's, he's the one. He's like, going to be the one. She, that... She's going to have like the tragic motivation because he has been turned into a, a... chair. A chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, we, we'll, we'll see. Anyway, my, my bet is that she and her ship are going to get destroyed and it's going to like lead to some issues for Pike to deal with. But we will see. They need to give her a first name. I think I think that'll that'll be the the episode where we learn her first name. Uh, that's when we're going to kill her off. Uh, just like yeah. we, that's when we learn like who, I... the, who the hell is Arium. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that they're gonna I think I think Una and Pike are gonna end up together by the end of the oh, series. Oh, I do not want that. Big, I think big it's gonna no. happen. And no. I think ba- battle is Because that's what I was you didn't hear me say this on the last episode. I was really relieved that the kiss that they show in the preview of the se- season of the season yeah. two is between Battelle and Pike, not between Una and Pike. Because I was worried it was between Una and Pike. And I was like, yeah, God, same. that better just be because they had a naked now experience instead of, uh, <laughs> or naked time experience instead of, you know, something else. It's naked time. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we'll see. We'll see. But that's that just is something my... that only makes sense to people who are familiar with Star Trek, yeah, which, should only, which should be our audience. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I don't mean like, decks, that's not like an allusion to. If you have. <laughs> haven't watched Lower Decks. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think, I think Battelle is kind of a, is going to be an emotional lever 
for Bryce's character. So we'll see. They're we'll see. Maybe she'll survive. They, see, they better not do this. This is 2023. Yeah, yeah, we need to stop fridging women. I, I feel like that's the reason that they... I don't think that they will because yeah, it, it, it yeah. like like I the this, the writers seem very aware of those kinds of tropes and and whatnot. I to the point, like uh, uh, I I mean it, it's like the when the backlash with Colbert being killed. Well, off. but the thing is, it it wasn't even a, a backlash yet. Like they 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 like after they wrote that episode and like filmed it, they then like talked to Glad and and had like before the ep- I think it was like before the episode came out, uh-huh. there was kind of a like by the way we're gonna kill. Uh, our uh, uh, we're gonna kill the only gay character in the show, but not really. Uh, it's gonna be dealt in an interesting way, and here is the president of Glad that's gonna t- tell us about how they're comfortable with it for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like uh, I, I I feel like uh, I feel I, I just feel like the character like the writers are aware of those kinds of tropes in a way that makes me feel like they're not gonna do it. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but she's on a constitution class ship. She's the captain of the ship and she's having this like on and off like relationship with Pike our like main character who has to face his own death. Maybe she'll survive. I think something's bad is going to happen to her ship is all I'm going to say. Like, I could see her getting the promotion to Commodore eventually or something. And maybe she is the one that orders Pike to be in that situation where he then gets injured or something like that. I, I could see. Inter- I, I do think that it makes sense to have some sort of like because they're both captains, someone is going to have to make a hard choice about one or the other and and we're going to have to like see the consequences of that but well, I, I mean, just even goes I, with, like, I feel like there's pressure yeah but I, I feel like there are Jack there pressure, are other I mean. ways to deal with this i'm not writing the show Adam. <laughs> I, i'm just telling you what i think is going to happen i'm not writing the plot uh, i have a I'm great not... t-shirt i need to pull out they they, they made uh from mission log it's the writer's hat it's got like you know because yeah. we all are like well we could write this episode better than the writer's <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. So, um, get, getting back to this episode, though, basically to bring in and we don't have strong opinions at all. Right. Anyway, Spock, uh, Spock, and and T'Pring decide to take the break, much like Battle and Pike briefly did. Except their break seems a little bit longer because it's long enough for Chapel to show up at Spock's quarters and start making out with him in a very cute scene, uh, which is adorable and made a little less adorable by knowing what actually happens in the future. Which really sucks. Yeah. I just want the two of them to stay together and TOS to not happen. I, I'm okay with TOS not happening. Oh, oh, I did not say that. <laughs> I've been canceled from Star Trek. No, I'm okay with TOS happening. I just, you know, it happening in the 60s has led to some problematic things in that show. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, th- this reminds me, this is what's going to happen is... Uh, uh, Battelle is going to do something that's going to make it so that Starfleet concludes that women should not be allowed to be captains anymore. Uh, and that's how, that's how they're going to like, Oh my perfect, God. That's how they're going to perfectly set up uh, TOS uh, is like the final episode of the series. Uh, they'll, have the, they'll have the measure of the man uh, type episode, but it'll, it'll be stripping her of her rank and excluding all women from being captains. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. I can see some jabroni writing a book to that effect. And it's, that's awful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we will see, but I mean, how did y'all feel about the fact that Chapel and Spock kiss? Like, I know this has been causing some controversy for people online since the trailer came out, and we know that they've been they kissed in there. I'm so. I'm I'm fully into it. I I like like I said, I I I feel like the timelines being are weird. Like, I just I fully don't care if they just screw up canon in in various ways. Uh, and we can just be, we can either have the explanation of Enterprise did a thing, or we say that because the time police exist or whatever, but like, it's it just enough things happen that like, I think it's cool if Star Trek does something slightly different each time we, we see it. Uh, and the discrepancy can, can discrepancies, if you want them, just look at some timeline shit. Uh, but otherwise you don't really have to worry about it. Well, and it's like, I see, I don't, I, I probably am way less precious about TOS than I am others. So maybe if they were Same. doing things that totally screwed up the timelines of 90s Trek or the canon of 90s Trek, maybe I'd be more annoyed. I feel like because TOS was written without any 
understanding or recognition or even thought to the fact that this would be continuing 50 some years into the future. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are just certain things that they said that they had no idea it would have any meaning or impact. And so I think it's okay for us to mess with it because of that. Yeah. And honestly, it's a crazy amount of pressure to put on, on those, like those poor poor writers for not, they were just writing a cool uh, science fiction, whatever. Exactly. (laughs) But the shows that come after they are trying yeah. to pay attention to something and recognizing that there is a whole universe that this exists within. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's a little bit more like that's why I, that could be partly why I'm like, ah, you, I don't know if you want to mess with that, but who really cares if you're going to make good Star Trek and I'm going to enjoy myself watching it, then that's great. I have no problem with uh, Chapel and Spock. Anything that is going to give Chapel more agency mm-hmm. and, um, and character development than TOS was able to do is great for me. Like I would love to have a good explanation for why she, it's just, I mean, honestly, they just did not know how to write for women. And I know they had a woman who was one of the staff writers for, um, original series but they didn't probably let her write very much and i bet there are a lot of times where she wrote things that that's other okay. writers no, went and no, took it away no, 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 you can't take of i agree with you but let's not diminish dc fontana's like no 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 i'm influence. saying like dc fontana wrote things and then gene roddenberry would go in and change them all up right but is what I, i'm saying I, like they would well, they would take yeah. away her voice sometimes when she was trying to write things for the show sure but it's uh, initially it sounded a lot like basically she didn't have a lot of influence which is not true oh no no no. she totally did but what i'm saying is is but there were men in the show that had a whole lot more influence and were able to drown out some of the influence that she had or water down or just ignore some of the things because of the time when it was written true Um, true. i'm just thinking of like with the what happened with the pilot for next generation even Mm -hmm. um but yeah, anyway, so there were definitely some problematic. I mean, the, the worst thing about TOS for me is the treatment of women, um, mm-hmm. uh, how they were written, how they were treated on the show, how they were dressed on the show, like so many things that were wrong with uh, that. I have problems. I yeah, shouldn't say wrong yeah. that I have problems with. Totally. Um, but I so I love them doing things to develop the female characters in ways they just could not have been developed on TOS. So I'm here for it. Yeah, and I I guess like in terms of like the uh like trying to fit strictly within canon or or whatnot, it's I think some one thing that's interesting is like obviously Enterprise has some of like the most like pedantic interpretations of canon, uh sort of like the like oh the cling like the Klingon augments episode, which I thought was cute, but I can I can understand why people think that's like like it was okay when it was just that the, they did couldn't afford the costumes like that was a mm-hmm. fine explanation but um i think that uh it obviously enterprise was also dealing with a lot of the like uh they were doing really weird things with like timeline and with storyline the stuff that like uh felt like like how are you like i, I feel like we were getting as a like as a star trek audience were, were uncomfortable with a lot of things that that enterprise did and I, I i don't know to some degree i i feel like maybe we can we're we could as an audience be like a little less pedantic about things now uh like we we've already had uh star trek 2009 kind of open the door of like i don't know a timeline thing uh and yeah. then uh we we've had enough of that kind of stuff happen that I, I think it truly can just be okay that we ignore half the things that happen in TOS and that's okay. I mean, I, I'm with you. I just don't see it ever happening because I think the, 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 the fan base would literally explode. And it would, it would like even the separate timeline issue caused so much controversy. Them actually saying, oh, okay, we're just rewriting canon now. We'll just go down like multiple lead balloons all tied to one another. Uh, and it would, it would, uh, but I, I'm with you. I would not mind TOS getting a, a reboot. Like, in fact, if they refilmed TOS with Pike in charge, that would be fine with me. Um, now, I think the one other thing I want to mention, so basically the episode ends with them kissing. So just a couple of final points. Um, it's kind of weird that Belia makes a huge deal about knowing Amanda Grayson, but right. then doesn't show up in this episode. Yeah, that is weird. So I don't know what happened there, but clearly... do you think they'll have another episode that where there's a payoff there or no? Yeah, probably. Right. Like, I mean, it's kind of weird yeah, that she mentioned I, it otherwise. 
that, yeah, right. that 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 hadn't occurred to me until until now. And just like, yeah, th there have been a couple of weird like non payoffs with with Pelia, uh, and it's just I don't know. It feels she like we, really there are some things that we needed to. She... I don't I don't think she, we saw it at all. Yeah, she's in the next uh, episode. But... Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Maybe she'll. Maybe there'll be a little bit more that happens there somewhere. I mean, maybe that it could be as simple as like schedules not working out or or whatnot. Like I I, I know yeah. that there have been situations like um, uh, Tignataro like uh, right. was was really hard to reach and like that's or like to schedule with and like, that's like why she's not in a whole lot of the episodes uh, in the, the latest season of um, uh, Discovery. Even though every scene with uh, uh, Jet Reno is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, and this is also Pike not being in some of the episodes this season because of yeah. um, his child being born, Anson Mount's child being born. So, mm -hmm. uh, all right, with that, let us go into ratings. Any, any other final points before we do that for anybody? That's shaking heads. All right, so who wants to give this episode a strange new rating first? Stick your neck out and drop it. Should I go first? What do you think? Do it. All right, I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10. Quite enjoyable. Uh, it's not like a classic Star Trek, like deep sci-fi something or another, mm, but that's mm. okay. That's great. Like we need easy episodes sometimes. Not every episode has to be some deep philosophical Picard staring out of the uh, briefing room window yeah, yeah. thing. Sometimes we could just have fun. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of nice. 5 because I thought it was a fun episode. I enjoyed the whole time I was watching it. And I was super moved by some of the stuff between Amanda and Spock um, mm -hmm. at the end. I got I got a little a little choked up during that. And so whenever I have those moments in a Star Trek episode, it always bumps up my my score a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be in the same place on, on that. Like a, a, a nine feels feels right to me, almost to some degree, because the setup of the episode is so just kind of dumb and ridiculous like <laughs> what <laughs> like like this feels like uh it's it's almost on the stupidness uh, of like a spock's brain uh kind of episode but like <laughs> somehow is entirely enjoyable and funny the whole time right uh to, to the some de some degree like uh i i could see that the the writers like challenging themselves like what what dumb <laughs> setup could we have for by for uh uh spock and uh see if we can just like pull it off uh so yeah. maybe maybe we did. will yeah yeah they they, they did i I'm, I'm excited to see what what episode five of season three is totally totally no i um i think i think this was a very positive episode overall that reminds us why strange new worlds is such a great show uh yet again uh, mm -hmm. And it's been doing well. It's been getting some good ratings on like it got rated, I think, within some of the like the top 10 best shows to watch it in some, I think, prominent industry list is also by ratings is doing really well. So mm -hmm. um, really good stuff there. And with that, thank you, Adam and Emily, for making the time to talk about this episode with me. Hopefully we'll have Bill and Rudy back at some point as well. Yeah, thanks, Nutch. Thanks, Of course. And thank you, dear listener, for making time for us in your week. Uh, and thank you, Jishnu Gua, for recording our theme music. And special thanks this week to the uh, dude who designed that, like, teapot prop for yeah. going on a deviant art and pulling, like, a Vulcan script. I hope you took permission. That's why I'm highlighting this. So in case not, the deviant art person can sue get a lot of money. All right, everybody. Thanks. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.